Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to the post-Vikings Packers Purple Podcast. And just the first half alone would be worthy of multiple podcasts, Judd. But uh, a, a lot to talk about. There is one obvious place to begin, and that is with the injury to Aaron Rodgers. Judd, you wrote about this for 1500ESPN.com. Mm-hmm. So tell me how Aaron Rodgers' injury that appears to be uh, season-ending for Rodgers, a collarbone injury. I'm particularly sensitive to collarbone injuries. Get it? Oh, uh, that's funny. Tell us how this will Ooh. impact, in your opinion, the NFC North. North. Here's how it's going to impact things. First of all, let me call BS on Mike Zimmer and everyone in the Viking locker room who said, you hate to see a player get hurt. You hate to see a guy go down. I would never wish that on, a, on an opponent or a teammate. Okay, listen, what you just did today is you beat the Packers on your home field, so you are both now, what, 4-2 uh, and two at this point. You also eliminated, through any means necessary, this is professional athletics where people are paid millions of dollars, you happen to eliminate one of the top probably two quarterbacks and maybe the best one in the National Football League, and there's a fighting chance, and even the Packers said this, that he has done for the remainder of the season. The advantage that the Green Bay Packers, and we can all agree on this, the advantage that they had, the reason, as I wrote, that they came back in Dallas a week ago, the reason why their secondary could be in shambles, yet they could still win games, the reason why they were a three-point favorite in Minneapolis, Minnesota today, the reason why they were picked by a lot of people, including me, to win the NFC North was because of Aaron Rodgers. And now he's out, and this division is there for the taking. Now, that does not mean that I think Detroit uh, can't win the division, although they gave up uh, 52 points, if I'm not mistaken, to the Saints. Uh, I think Detroit's got a chance. I think the Vikings have a great chance. And honestly, now, Collar, if we had to re-rank the North as of right now, knowing what we know about the Packers quarterback situation, I would say Vikings 1, Lions 2, Packers 3, a decimated team, and the Bears still suck. But the NFC North and the, and the dynamic of the entire conference changed when Anthony Barr followed through on a tackle and, and 
Rodgers didn't get up today, and now we know he's got a broken right collarbone. And just quickly, too, um, he did have a broken collarbone in 2013 that cost him seven weeks, and in that case, he came back in the final week to lead the Packers to the playoffs. The big difference, that was a non-throwing left shoulder injury. This is his throwing shoulder, which is the reason why I think the Packers fear and probably think he is done for the season. The door is now wide open for the Vikings to win this division and not even need to have a great record. I mean, this has got 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven as a division winner written all over it now. And I think what we saw today and last week as well and probably the week before is that as long as the Vikings aren't playing great quarterbacks like Drew Brees or Ben Roethlisberger, they can dominate everyone else. Matthew Stafford had a really poor day. Mitch Trubisky had a bad day. And today, Brett Hundley, poor Brett Hundley. He I didn't mean, deserve this. Like He like, didn't deserve this. Like you said, you can't really feel bad for anybody because it's pro sports and everybody signed up to wear pads and get drilled by big giant men. <laughs> yeah. But my goodness, did he get beat up today by the Vikings defensive line and Harrison Smith and even uh, before Anthony Barr went out. Uh, just a completely top-to-bottom dominating performance. The only time that the Green Bay Packers were able to score was when the Vikings gave them points, like on a, a fumble by Jarek McKinnon and an interception by Case Keenum. Otherwise, they were in Brett Hundley's face. They tipped passes that he threw. They went for interceptions. The Packers they, aren't good right now. No, they're I not. I mean, this, this is not a team where you say there might be areas that can be made up. Their secondary is decimated. Their linebacking core decimated. And their offense, minus the quarterback, is not good. The Packers are, right now, given the construction of this team, I think a potential bottom feeder. Yeah, it could be. And, and the direction that I headed here is... And the Vikings shut down a good running game, a team that has run the ball quite well this year. And Aaron uh, Jones had a great week last week against the Cowboys, and Ty Montgomery was back today. That was supposed to be a factor, but really wasn't. Where The direction I'm pushing is, even if Case Keenum plays like this on a weekly basis, which was extremely mediocre, there were some bad throws, there were some decent throws, Adam Thielen bailed him out a number of times, He's not a great quarterback. That's why he's a backup. Sure. But you can survive that mm -hmm. now that Aaron Rodgers is out of the way. And this defense has been every bit as good as you dreamed it up. And heading into this one, there was reason for concern with Anderson Dejo out and Anthony Harris filling in. That wasn't a problem at all. Once Aaron Rodgers went down, that was basically out, of, out the window. Now, yep. Anthony Barr, his health, he had a concussion uh, and did not play in the second half. I saw Anthony Barr in the locker room after the game, and it's really hard to take anything away, but he was talking with people. He he didn't seem like a guy that they had just ushered out of there, like they didn't want him to, to look at the sun or whatever, right? I mean, they... they right, it had, didn't look bad. Yeah, he was around. Now, that doesn't really tell us much, but maybe it's not a long-term injury. And if it's not, then this defense from top to bottom from the defensive ends dominating on the pass rush to the linebackers playing at a high level trey waynes gave up one back shoulder throw today and otherwise was fine shadowing jordy nelson mm -hmm. xavier rhodes was fantastic again and harrison smith is the best safety in the nfl he is the number one safety in the NFL and playing like a Hall of Fame level player right now. He intercepted a Hunley pass. Was that in the fourth quarter? That was, if you have not seen it, go back, go online, find it. It is special. 
He makes a one-handed grab. He, Harrison Smith intercepted that ball, and there isn't a wide receiver in the National Football League who wouldn't say, oh, my gosh, he caught that ball. It was a great catch. The, to your point, if this defense can, for the most part, stay healthy, which is tough to do, and, and they will have guys banged up here and there. They, have to, they did today. I get that, Matthew. But if this defense can keep its key components for the most part healthy, this defense, I'm not saying it's the best defense in the league, but they have special players. They have, they have some players who are very special, and they have some players. And, and much like uh, the win uh, against the Bears in Chicago, there's going to be games that this team plays that are hard to watch and ugly, but always keep in mind, if this team plays games like that, they can win them because this defense is that good. Yeah, yeah, they can grind out wins. I mean, last week against the Bears, we're looking at a game where the Bears offense scored zero points in the first half. The Vikings were only up three to two. They were responsible for all the points because yep. of the safety. Yep. But the fact that they could give up nothing and then here again today, basically give up nothing. This game after the Vikings scored was really never in question. Once the Vikings got ahead, it was like, okay, game over because this defense is just that good. After Rodgers got hurt, was there one moment of this game where you thought the Vikings are in trouble? No. I couldn't think of one. And and they that doesn't mean that they were playing great the whole time, but I said a rookie quarterback, and I looked this up, Hunley was a fifth-round pick in 2015 by the Packers. He didn't play at all in 2015, I think. I believe in the last two years coming into today, he had appeared in relief in something like three games. There was not a moment that I said, this guy has a chance. Mm-hmm. He had zero chance. And and that's the point right now. This division has um, Matthew Stafford at quarterback in Detroit, a starter. And after that, you go Keenum, Hunley, Trubisky. Hunley and Trubisky have no chance. I mean, that doesn't mean that they can't improve, and that doesn't mean that they can't win games here and there. But as far as being viable quarterbacks uh, who have any aspirations of getting their team into the playoffs, it's not going to happen. And so right now, if you were to rank the quarterbacks in this division as we sit here and have this conversation today, Stafford is the clear-cut one. But after that, look out. Case Keenum is number two. Case Keenum is the second quarterback that I would rank in this division. Well, before we get to more big picture on where this is all going for the Vikings, because the quarterback situation got even more interesting with a report from Jay Glazer. But I, let me let me get to this first, though. You digress. On the offensive side, yep. two things really stuck out to me. The offensive line was missing a guy. I thought they were great. They allowed zero sacks of Case Keenum. Again, it seems like unless Sam Bradford is back there stumbling around with no knees, that this offensive line doesn't give up sacks, which is a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Especially, it, it's all through the lens of last year, and mm-hmm. it's night and day. Mm-hmm. They also had to grind this one out because Keenum was not playing exceptionally well throughout this game, so they couldn't just keep launching it down the field with him. They had to use some screens. They had to use handoffs. They had to ground it, grind it out and grounded pound a little bit. And I thought against a front seven that's pretty good for the Packers, Mm -hmm. this offensive line stood up extremely well today. And I I think you you, uh, talked about this during the course of the game in the press box, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. The guy who had a really good day, Pat Shermer. Mm -hmm. And and the Vikings have done – 
Part of the reason why uh, it, it was unfair uh, to keep Bradford in the game against the Bears and why he failed was he literally couldn't move. But this offense is now built around being able to what? Roll the quarterback out ordinarily to the right and find guys on the, the run. And I think that was the plan that they had for Bradford initially. But Keenum can do it too. And so I thought the game plan offensively today was very, very good, very sound. And you know what? Uh, for the second or third time this year, the Vikings had the good fortune to play a team with a secondary that was decimated. Because yep. Tampa Bay here in the, the win against the Bucks, and then the Packers today, we're not just talking about second stringers. We're talking about they go in shorthanded in both cases. They lose guys during the game. And we're talking about secondaries that feature, by the time the game is done, third-string guys. Which is, you know what? You beat them, good for you. But it's just been, so far, one of those years where the good fortune, injury-wise, sort of comes your way in that vein. But the Vikings, of course, are going to, to rightfully say, okay, well, that's great, but we're missing our starting quarterback, running back, blah, blah, blah. They're right, but... This was the second time in a game here where I thought the Vikings did an exceptional job of taking advantage of a secondary that was extremely depleted. I was thinking about this just as before we got started here. Like, how many storylines would we have if no one ever got hurt in this league? <laughs> I mean, it's like eighty oh, no, percent of the stories right. are how is your team adapting to being extremely injured, or how lucky were you that the other team was extremely injured? Brad Childress always got mad because he he would say all you guys want to do is ask questions about injured players and write about it and talk about it, and in his opinion, that was lazy of us as reporters. And my response was, it's your league. I mean, okay, if your backup punt return guy is out, it, it's a, not a huge deal. But if you look at week to week, I mean, we are right now talking about a league where a lot of what, what we cover and a lot of the main storyline is guys being hurt. I mean, the Green Bay Packers lost a two-time MVP today, and that loss is going to change their season entirely. Let me circle back on Pat Shermer. When I was talking, I had a nice sit-down interview with Shermer for a story a couple of weeks ago, and I just asked him what it meant when players said that you use them to their strengths. Like, what, how do you define that? I don't even remember his answer, but I define it as what happened today with the screen game, that mm -hmm. clearly they thought they could work the ball down the field, and Case Keenum was not very accurate early, so they adapted. And they've also adapted to what their offensive line can do best. I, I was talking to Pat Elfline after the game about their screen game, and he said, we've got athletes. And they certainly didn't have athletes last year. And the screen game was completely ineffective last season. And it's been one of their biggest weapons. It was big against Chicago, and it was huge today. The 27-yard touchdown pass to Jarek McKinnon comes on a screen. There was another big play where Pat Elfline was 30 yards down the field and got flagged for it. But for the most part, you're not going to get flagged for those. If you're a yard or two early you're probably not going to get flagged and they've taken advantage of that jeremiah searles fit pretty well he kind of reduces that athleticism a little bit because nick easton is a little quicker but i thought he fit in and played a very good game up front mm -hmm. and it seems that Shermer has not only been able to adjust the bigger picture 
but he's also been able to adjust throughout games. In Chicago, he's got a new quarterback comes in and immediately starts adapting to the Bears trying to keep everything in front of them. Yep. And then today, I mean, just little creative things. We talked about this in the offseason, asking for some more creativity with certain players, and Kyle Rudolph on a shovel pass was not on my bingo board for today's game. Yep. I did not expect. And it was a nice play. I did not expect Kyle Rudolph to get a shovel pass, and yet here we are. And some things work because you kind of get a little lucky and you just match up against the defense on that particular play where you know, the defense shouldn't have been doing that or just they picked a blitz and you picked the perfect play against the blitz. But for the most part, I think that the offense still being able to move the ball, still being able to score enough to win these games – has a lot to do with Pat Shermer. And also, Jarek McKinnon, again, this was the Jarek McKinnon that we expected. You just can't fumble, though. Well, no, of his course fu- His fumble was, he's got, I mean, I because if I'm not mistaken, he hadn't fumbled at all much until the Bears game, and then he fumbled in that game, and then he fumbled today. And if you can, if you can trust him, if you can trust him, which and he's played well, he's your top back. Lions game, I think he fumbled, right? Was or it no, he, he fumbled in, in the Chicago game as well. I think okay. it went out of bounds. Oh, okay. But the point is, the point is, Latavius Murray is very one-dimensional. And what he brings you is sort of a thumper. And I don't think he fits into this offense great. He can certainly block. Uh, but McKinnon is your ideal top guy if you, you could trust him. But the one thing you can't do is drop the damn football because that's going to drive you crazy. And and in a league where games can be so close and in a league where teams can be close and in a league where there's not a lot of great teams, that's the one thing that can completely screw you. Yeah. Because if you fumble the ball in the wrong place, that is that is essentially points on, on the board. Now, against this defense, it's a little bit tougher. But, heck, you know, if you fumble at the 20 – it's going to be tough to stop you, at least from getting three points. And I think we'll see where McKinnon goes throughout the rest of the season, if he can continue to handle this type of workload. But aside from the fumbles, because I agree, when you were right on the doorstep of putting the dagger in the Packers and you fumble and allow them to run it back to the other side of the field, you cracked the door open there for the Packers to stick around in this game yep. where you could have finished them off right exactly. there, and all you have to do is hang on to the ball. Aside from that, though... The loss of Delvin Cook has been mitigated by Jarek McKinnon's performance these last two weeks. And as of right now, Latavius Murray, again today, he's got one nice 10-yard run, but he finishes averaging 1.9 yards per carry. Right now is bringing very little to the offense. And McKinnon is your guy. There isn't really much of a tandem there. This is McKinnon is now your number one back, and Murray may officially get starts or whatever, but he's the one that's a weapon for big plays as we thought he could be through last year, but generally wasn't, I think, because of the offensive line. And uh, now he's stepped into that role again and is making up for uh, his struggles from last year. And having him here, I think, is a big deal for surviving losing Delvin Cook. Yes. Uh, in the passing game, surviving losing Stefan Diggs for a long period of time could be really difficult. From what we saw today, if you've got to rely on Laquan Treadwell to make one-handed catches. Hey, how about the Laquan Treadwell game, huh? Hey, let's, 51 let's, yards. F- 51 yards, uh, what, three catches? Yes. Uh, a great, if I'm not mistaken, right-handed grab, correct? Where he yes. went up with his right hand along the sideline and pulled the ball in and made a nice play. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're without digs for qu- uh, quite some time. But what we're seeing right now, once again, 
emphasizes one thing. This offense last year was heinously bad because the offensive line was awful. Right. I mean, you can lose receivers and running backs. Um, you can't lose too many quarterbacks, but you can lose them. Uh, and you can still have a game plan. The one thing where your offensive coordinator becomes a non-factor is if your line plays bad, right? Because if your line plays bad, you can't do a thing. You can't run the ball. The quarterback doesn't have time to sit in the pocket and pass it. You can't get creative or constructive. So I do think what we're seeing uh, is the Vikings battle injury problems to Bradford and Cook and go down that line. I do think the one thing that we're seeing is if your line play is consistent, you can still do things. And a year ago, the line play was not only inconsistent, it was putrid. All right, one more thing from today's game for me, and if you have anything else before we move over to when Teddy's coming back. Um, well, and, and if Sam's ever coming back. Good job, Kai Forbath. Could say, oh, Kai Forbath, heck of a day. Well, no, seriously, yeah. What, he hit field goals. Uh, he hit. In fact, he had the final uh, three points of the game for the Vikings as far as a 36-yard field goal in the third quarter, a 34-yard field goal in the fourth, and wait for it. A 53-yard field goal in the fourth quarter. He hit both extra points. Yes, we will now go through another week. Is this two weeks now? Uh-huh. Two weeks or three weeks with no Kai Forbath watch whatsoever. Kai Forbath's job is completely safe. I think, barring a big meltdown for Mr. Forbath, he's going to be the kicker for the rest of the year. What did you uh, What did you make of the fact, uh, uh, Collar, that, uh, that as Zim said after the game, the Vikings played pretty much that entire game in nickel? Because that, that was the one thing you didn't have to bring. I've, I think we, we both agreed in the past, the time where the Vikings look like they're vulnerable or could be had is if you're in your base defense. Uh, today, they, they were able to keep five, uh, five D-backs on the field for the most part. Uh, bar going out certainly didn't help. But I did, I did feel like there was never a time where I said, uh-oh. And there have been times where when they've been in base, I've said, this is the one time they don't look that strong. Uh, well, I do not doubt at all Mike Zimmer's prowess as a defensive mind. So let me say that before I say this. The, he can do whatever he wants because he has Linval Joseph and Harrison Smith. They do not allow anything in the run game because Linval Joseph and Harrison Smith are two of the best players in the NFL. In the run game. But Gideon, if, if you go to a tight end heavy offense and they go base... Gideon can be had. But then. that's my point is that you don't have to go base. Because oh, yeah, okay, you, can, yeah. you can shut down the run from the nickel. I'm with you on this. And you can allow yes. for Terrence Newman to be in for most of the snaps. Absolutely with you, yes. Because Linval Joseph today did not allow anything to the Green Bay Packers. I can't wait to go back and look at it on tape because you can't look really you. see it on TV or in the press box how good Linval Joseph is. But he just fills the entire middle. And we yes. were concerned about Sharif Floyd being out and Tom Johnson coming in because he's not that great against the run. It hasn't mattered. It's like Linval Joseph keeps getting better. And then when they stuffed the defensive line, and, and it goes for the other guys too. I mean, Hunter is good against the run. Griffin is good against the run. But when they stuff the defensive line, Harrison Smith can fly up and make plays. And to have oh, also quick athletic linebackers for the, the two being Kendricks and Barr, yep. Barr playing at a high level has made that a big deal too. Yep. I mean, I, I think that even if opponents try to scheme to get Gideon on the field, Mike Zimmer's just going to say, no, that's okay because we know we can stop your run without you another linebacker. I'm with you completely. Stay nickel. Just, just stay there. 
Um, Harrison Smith has always been good. I can't emphasize enough, though, especially in person when, when you get to watch him. I can't emphasize enough that he's gone from being outstanding and really, really good to being out of this world good. I mean, the guy that we're watching right now, because we've raved about this guy for years now, um, but the guy that we're watching right now on a week-by-week basis is not that guy. This, this version of Harrison Smith is phenomenal. And I know that when you watch the game at home, you usually look at the quarterback, and you watch the quarterback take the snap, sure. drop back, and then you see him throw it, and you watch where it goes. I would say if you can, watch Harrison Smith. At the beginning of plays, watch where he goes, watch where he lines up, and you can start to see, although it's clearer on the game tape, but you can start to see even on TV what kind of impact he has because just on the interception, for example, you talk about the athletic play to make the interception, but schematically they had him come down from like a two-deep safety where he can drop down into a zone there and he can make a play there, or he blitzed and he made a play there with yes. a sack, yeah. or he can go d- drop deep over the top and make a play there. You can do anything with him. He's, a, he's great against the run. They have him at times one-on-one coverage with wide receivers. Yep. He can do that. And it doesn't matter. There is nothing that he can't do, and I think that's why they're so good against the run. And if they continue to shut down the run like this, like they did today, they give the Packers no chance even though they've got good running backs, but yeah. if you are forcing Brett Hundley to win the game, there's just no chance. He's So he's what? In actuality, we call him a safety, but he's become sort of a hybrid yeah. of a corner safety. Yep. Because he can do so much, and he just, his play this year, I mean, there, is, there have been four or five guys who have been very good to great, but his play amazes me. Yeah. And his instincts for this game are, amaze me because he's he's the type of guy who sees things a second before anyone else does Mm -hmm. and that includes guys on the field that includes everybody but his ability to suss out things and read things is just great to watch all right quarterback time oh boy here we go what is going to happen with the Minnesota Vikings at quarterback. It really feels crazy, Judd, to be talking about a team that has been forced to play or start its backup quarterback since week one, and we're saying they're in the driver's seat for this division right now. Give me the updates on the reports today that came out from various sources, and I think they were led by uh, Jay Glazer of Fox, because there's Bradford and Bridgewater reports coming out. Okay, so we'll start with Bradford. It's really bad. That's basically what Jay Glazer said. It's really bad. You mean it's not a pain I, threshold thing? I believe <laughs> that he, the way he phrased it was, it's worse than people think or it's worse than you've heard and even brought up the possibility of it ending Sam Bradford's career. Mm-hmm. And when Bradford played against the Bears and RG3 tweeted out that they needed to take him out of the game, started to get the sense that we might not see Sam Bradford again this year. And at very earliest, I was putting it at after the bye to give him more and more time. But it seems to me that when the trainer, Eric Sugarman, told all of us that this is just an issue with a guy who's had multiple ACL surgeries and it's going to be a long-term thing, more likely than not. Yep. And that made me wonder if we would see him again this year. So you have this paired with the Teddy Bridgewater report that not only is he likely to be cleared by his surgeon to practice, 
but that there's a chance he could be starting within three weeks. And my, does that get interesting, right? I mean, because now you're talking about the potential for a guy to have come back from a knee injury where Eric Sugarman told him in the ambulance you could lose your leg, part of your leg. Yes. To the possibility of him actually returning as a starting quarterback to Judd, a team in the driver's seat to win the division. And, well, heck, let's go. Let's go threefold then, two collar. Let's go to this one. What gets Keenum lifted? So, so if Bridgewater can come back, and and you know it's a bit dicey, and it's going to be, do you put him back in, or do you? I mean, if Case Keenum, Case Keenum today, to me had a Case Keenum game. He wasn't terrible. He wasn't great. He was sufficient. Um, so do you lift him because of performances like this? You know, sh- short of going out and throwing four picks, in which case he just gets benched. Do you lift him? Do you continue to play him? Do you look at Teddy? Is Sam now, does Sam now go from potential contract extension to would you franchise him to retirement? Uh, but I guess, I guess for the sake of the, the conversation that we're having right now, which revolves around a year in which we now feel that the Vikings have an actually pretty good chance to win this division. What would be your quarterback assessment immediately given the parameters that Bridgewater gets cleared and can come back? Okay, I'll try to create some sort of quarterback flow chart here. Yeah, not controversy, but flow yes. chart. If, gotcha. if and then, okay? okay, if Sam Bradford is healthy 100%, then he is the Vikings quarterback regardless of any other circumstances. If Sam Bradford is out for the rest of the season and Teddy Bridgewater is 100% healthy, cleared to start, and now knows the offense, he is your quarterback no matter what. Even if Case Keenum plays well, he would have to play extremely well. Keep going, keep going. If... Teddy Bridgewater comes back and it's hard to get him practice reps and you're not sure how his leg's going to hold up and he hasn't proven to you in practice that you can really trust his knee to get out there, then Case Keenum is your quarterback for the rest of the season. Now, Judd, put odds on those scenarios for me. Uh, Very high odds on scenario number two in both cases. Very low odds on scenario number one in both cases. I think Bradford, while I don't necessarily think his career is done, I think we're talking about a a chronic knee problem. So I don't see him coming back anytime soon and saying, I'm good to go. And, And I think what we saw in Chicago this past week is him now, for now. So I don't see that changing. Um, the bridge, the only dicey thing about your, the scenarios that you're painting with Teddy is, I don't know how you get to, he is he can play unless you play him and i don't know i don't keenum is he's sufficient i he's not killing you right now uh do i think that he could single-handedly win you games no absolutely not do i think that he is he is pat Shermer's puppet he was today did a decent job not great um, so I guess I would default to the sticking with Keenum for now. The Bridgewater dynamic really intrigues me. I don't think the Bradford option is most likely going to present itself. I also think there's some type of, and this is behind the scenes, we don't know about it, Collar, but I also think there's some type of divide here on Bradford 
when a few weeks back the head coach was saying he can play, it's a pain threshold thing, and now there's a report from somebody telling Glazer, oh, it's not that, he might be done. Mm -hmm. So as far as my quarterback controversies go, I think you could actually have one between Case and Teddy. I think the Bradford one is getting further and further from a possibility because I don't think enough people are going to be on the same page when it comes to Sam. Now with Teddy, I'm looking at the schedule here, trying to figure out when he could start and how that would work. And I think that the bye week comes in a very advantageous time Mm -hmm. for this team Mm -hmm. because you got Case against Baltimore, no question. You got Case against Cleveland, no question. Then you go from October 29th to November 12th before you have to play again when you go to Washington. Now, if you want Teddy to start here, although I wouldn't like it against the Rams, I don't want it to be against the great defense, but if you wanted to have Teddy start here, this team is on the road outside of that one game against the Rams from October 29th to December 10th. Yes. Outside of one game, they are on the road. So I guess that Rams game might be the one that I would target or on Thanksgiving Day in Detroit if Teddy Bridgewater was going to return because I think that gives you enough time for him to get fully immersed in the offense and possibly prove that he can do it. But if you're in first place and and you're continuing to win games consistently, so I'm not saying that, that you're going to win all your games, but if you are, if you beat Baltimore a week from today here, which you should, if you beat Cleveland, which I believe now is 0-6 after their loss on Sunday, which you should, and you go in, into the bye, and you come out of that bye, and you're in first place, do you experiment with, with that? I mean, do you, is it worth? Because the key thing to keep in mind here, in my opinion, is this. Your offense is going to, if they're playing well, help you. Your defense wins you games. Do you fool with the chemistry and try and go back to Teddy if you're still successful? Or do you stay status quo unless, let's say, you, you go on the three-game road trip and you'll lose two games there. And so you're saying, okay, for, for the third game, we should make a change. And let's just also say Case is not playing well at that point. But if you can continue to either win games and or on that three-game road trip, let's say you win two or three, which would be pretty good, do you make that change? Well, I, I don't know. Here's how I look at it. I don't think Baltimore is a cakewalk, by the way. Because I think they do have a good defense, so you always wonder if Case Keenum can have a meltdown and you lose that game. So, But let's not 100% write that in as a win. There are many tough games coming up that you can't just put the Vikings in first place and say, well, Keenum will be fine, their defense will take care of things. I mean, they have tough, tough games. Washington, the Rams, Detroit, Atlanta, Carolina. That stretch is really hellacious. Yep. I would also say this, that if you, are, if you feel like you're set up, to make the playoffs, you would start asking yourself, do I want to just make the playoffs with Case Keenum or give myself a real chance to go deep in the playoffs with Teddy Bridgewater? Because you might be able to make it with Case Keenum. You will not win with Case Keenum in the playoffs. History has proven this. Unless you're the 2001 Ravens, you cannot win with a quarterback that bad. But the flip side to that is you also then have to be completely confident that a guy whose legs snapped on a practice field, and we still don't know why, can definitely play. Yeah. Against good defenses, which right. are going to, by the way, hit him. So, I mean, this does not, this question that, that we're posing does not have a clear cut, okay, here's your plan A and, and just do it. This is the only, the only way that we could clear this entire conversation up is if we were both very confident that Bradford's knee was going to be okay here long term and that he could play. Because then, you know, his knee is chronically bad, but it didn't just snap. But, 
I think he's done. So, so given the Keenum Teddy scenario, they both come uh, filled with potential pitfalls. Yeah, I the thing and is, I don't that, know. It's I, a tough. One. I think you have to try to get Teddy in as soon as you can, even if Keenum is playing pretty well, because you have to find out where Teddy stands. Because just imagine a scenario where you keep Keenum in for most of the season, you feel like ah, oh, he's winning games for us. We're just grinding him out. Our defense is doing great. So then you get to late December. Uh-huh. And then you think, well, let's see. Maybe we can just throw Teddy in against the Bears at the end and see what he's got. Sure. Teddy plays well. Then do you start him in the playoff game at, yeah, with that, that small yeah. of a sample? And then what do you do? So I think without risking his long-term health, if you can, you're trying to get the great quarterback that you have back in to replace the below-average one that you're just trying to grind it out with. And if Bridgewater is back and he is 100%, the knee is fine. Now, that's setting the bar extremely high. I was going to say, I don't see that. I one. understand that. But he's a franchise quarterback. I mean, if... You think he is. If, you, you do not know that. I say if. I think he is a franchise quarterback, but this is a guy that's already proven he can go 11-5 and five and put you within a 27-yard field goal of beating the Seattle Seahawks in the playoffs. With a, with a knee that was healthy, That's though. why I said if. I, this is a conversation that internally they're going to have to sit down and make some very difficult decisions because if they broach what you just said, which is do we want to make the playoffs or do we want to actually give ourselves with our quarterback what we consider to be a legitimate chance to advance? And if the answer is option B, which you would like, Bridgewater is going to be the guy to give you that chance if he can play. But the Vikings are, are set up either way to be either praised for that was a great decision or be completely torn to shreds. And it's just it's interesting because there's so much uncertainty surrounding the Teddy aspect of this and what he's going to be able to do if and when he is cleared, which I believe he's going to see the doctor on Monday, correct? Mm-hmm. And if and when he's cleared and can come back. Um, but as I said, the option to me that's going by, by the wayside, amazingly enough, is the Bradford one. All right, time for agree or disagree. My favorite part of the show. Agree or disagree, the Green Bay Packers will not win more than seven games agree. this year. Agree. You think they're, you, I think they're uh, done. I don't, I don't see how... Brett Hundley can can replace a guy who's a two-time MVP, and that defense is decimated. And I think all of the Packers' warts and faults now go from being sort of hidden by a guy who could hide them consistently right to the surface. Agree or disagree, Latavius Murray will get it turned around over the next two to three weeks. Disagree. I don't see it, Collar, and I don't see it in the system. I mean, Jarek McKinnon and Dalvin Cook are or were good fits. Um, there is nothing I see from Murray that leads me to believe that he consistently is going to become a threat here. Agree or disagree? Uh, yeah, disagree. Laquan Treadwell will end up with more than 30 receptions this year. What's he at right now? Can you tell me? I don't know, like uh, eight? I disagree. Disagree because I think Diggs comes back. Um Michael Floyd left today's game with uh, some, some type of leg cramp or problem. I would guess he'll come back, so I'm going to disagree. All right. Agree or disagree, the Vikings will win against Baltimore and Cleveland and go into the bye at 6-2. and two. I'm going to agree with that. Um, this defense against Flacco, old man Flacco don't look good. 
and Cleveland's a hot mess. You would need you wouldn't need a bad game to lose to Cleveland. You would need a no show. And uh, so I believe the Vikings will win the next two. Agree or disagree? Courtney Cronin, way better co-host on the Purple Podcast than you. Um. Oh, I agree completely. She's fantastic. She's she's very good. Agree really? in spades. How about that? Really knows her routes. One last one. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, agree or disagree? The Packers make a phone call to Wisconsin native Colin Kaepernick. Oh, disagree. Disagree completely. He's been. I mean. I don't care what anybody says. This guy is being blackballed from this league, and it's it, there is no way. You look at all the backup quarterbacks and all the cesspool quarterbacks that we got playing right now, and no one's calling this guy? Come on. This is a league-wide thing, and don't tell me, oh, no, teams are – no, this is a league-wide deal. All right. For Purple Podcast loyalists who have made it to minute 39 – Wow. want to uh, tell you all that we're going to be shooting for three or four Purple Podcasts a week now as the season gets real, real interesting. So Courtney will be along, Judd, and uh, other guests as well. Do I get uh, more money for this thing? Uh, no. new. Do no, I get no. a salary increase? I get a lot more money, not you. Do I get some type of incentive-laden deal? No, no. They've got lots more money coming my way. They backed the Brinks truck up to my house and just poured it all Well, I'd like something me. more for all this work I'm doing. Do you, uh, did you ever watch the DuckTales? How uh, no, Scrooge McDuck had a huge room where it was just money, and he used to dive got in one of those? Swim yes. So well, I'll come over. Uh, yeah. Now I'll, uh, I'll be there a half hour. You all can look forward to that, and we'll be adding some other things as well. So thank you all. We appreciate yeah. you all for listening. Well, we and, appreciate uh, you, Matthew Collar. Oh well, I know that. Uh, actually, not so much. All right, go watch film. Okay, we'll see y'all. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.